Grace and peace to you. Good morning. If you would turn in your Bibles to John chapter 10, excuse me, John chapter 11. In God's good providence, Pastor Joan asked me to preach this morning, months ago, and as I have been reflecting upon last week's announcement, uh, I'm continually brought back to this passage in John 11. We're going to look at verses 5 through 27. It's a passage in which we see our good shepherd leading his people to unexpected places and reigning over unexpected circumstances. If you're a little theologian this morning and your parents permit, would you draw a picture of a road, a road that twists and turns in many different ways? But let's hear together from God's word. Beginning in verse 5. John chapter 11. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. And Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. A disciple said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death But they thought that he had meant taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died and for your sake I am glad that I am not there. So that you may believe, but let us go to him. Now Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would, would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come before your word, bringing our lives, our joys, and our burdens before you. Would your spirit lead us? grow to know you more and to know ourselves through your word. Lead us as we seek to hear your word. 
We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, our lives can feel out of control. This year may feel very out of control to you. We were reminded last Wednesday that our world is still at war with MTW's Crates for Ukraine ministry. This year has been a year when we've experienced many deaths in our midst. Good friends and family members. Our dear sister, Susan Gunter, was healthy at the beginning of this year, and now she is with the Lord. An unexpected grief in our hearts. The economy is a mess, it seems. Even our society and culture and the way that the church is heard and listened to, it's, it's hard for us. And now we have to process, we must process the resignation of our senior pastor. These can feel like uncertain times. But in this moment, the Lord is inviting us to trust him, to know that he is the one who leads us to unexpected places. And he's also the one who reigns over unexpected circumstances. We're going to see those two themes emerge in our passage this morning. The first theme, the Lord leads us to unexpected places. Now, prior to this passage in John 11, at the end of John 10, Jesus is in Jerusalem. He's teaching there, and the Jews hypocritically press him. They approach him. They ask him, are you the Christ? Jesus answers truthfully, But their response is to pick up stones to stone him. And observing this, the disciples must have been quite relieved, quite comforted to know that Jesus led them out of Jerusalem after that, through Judea, across the Jordan into the wilderness. And in the wilderness there, we're told at the beginning of John's, at the very end of John's uh, chapter 10, that the ministry continued, it continued to grow. And at the beginning of this section, uh, or the passage right before in John 11, uh, Jesus receives news from Mary and Martha that their brother Lazarus is very ill. And we're beginning this passage in verse 5, because I believe verse 5 puts in context everything that's going to come that's very unexpected. We slow down, we read this simple statement, but foundational. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Everything that's about to come that's unexpected is grounded in Jesus' love for his people. We have to understand that because everything that's unexpected in our midst, it still comes from a good shepherd who loves us. Now notice in verse 6, after hearing and saying that he loves Mary and Martha and Lazarus, he does something very unexpected. He waits. Notice the timing. Jesus waits two days. What's he doing? He loves them. This must have been very distressing for Mary and Martha and Lazarus who was sick. They were crying out for him. They were pleading for Jesus to come. 
We normally, how do you normally respond when someone cries out for help, when they cry out to you in need? Usually we respond in urgency. I mean, think about this. If you're a parent and your child wakes up in the middle of the night and cries, Daddy, Daddy jumps out of bed to go get that child, sometimes a little slower than Mommy, at least in our household. But we go. But in this case, Jesus waits. And Jesus' wait is intentional. And we read in verse 7, it's intentional. He waits two days and then he informs his closest disciples that it's time to return. And his disciples don't seem to be very happy about this decision. Uh, Look at verse 8. This is their question. Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And you're going there again, returning right outside to Jerusalem. Well, this is confusing. Uh, Jesus is about to unexpectedly lead them back to a place where the disciples knew it was dangerous. Uh, This is certainly not what they were expecting. So why is our good shepherd leading these disciples to this unexpected place? Well, he gives two reasons for this. Uh, The first reason is a bit obscure. It's hard to understand. The the more is more plain or clear to understand. And and the obscure reason we see in verse 9. Look with me there. Jesus answers, uh, Are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. Uh, But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Here's what I think Jesus means by this. The 12 hours of the day are fixed, a fixed period set by God. And the disciples think that by returning to a dangerous place, Jesus' ministry will come to an end. But Jesus explains that the real danger is not walking in the light. Without the light in the nighttime, walking is full of stumbling. Like a room filled with Legos. But see, Jesus is the light of the world. And to walk with, without him is to stumble. And he's not bound by the danger that lies ahead. His time is fixed by his heavenly father. The second reason that Jesus gives is in verses 14 and 15. It's a bit more plain. He he knows that Lazarus has died. His disciples need to know that the most destructive force in the world, death itself, it can't stop Jesus. Even though they've walked with Jesus and they've seen miraculous signs and wonders, uh, they didn't fully understand who he was. But to trust him, hear me, To trust him is more important than life and death, our stability and our safety. We must go where Jesus leads. But it's hard to understand that. And we get this response from the disciples, this response from Thomas. And there are some who think this is a bold statement of faith. Could be. I believe, I read it probably through my own heart, that it's a bit sarcastic and doubt. I can almost see an eye roll. Let us also go that we may die with him. 
Oh, the graciousness of our King. To allow his disciples to express their fears even when we do it with sarcasm. Jesus still loves us. Following Jesus often leads us to unexpected places. Places where we would rather not have to go. Maybe it's as a student or as a spouse and as a single person, an employee, even as a church. Jesus often leads us to places that feel dangerous. Places where we must lay down our lives with him. But he is the light of the world. To believe him is to follow him. He is the only way we will not stumble. The Lord leads us to unexpected places. And this leads us to the second point in this passage, that the Lord reigns over our unexpected circumstances. This one whom the disciples called rabbi, which is Hebrew for teacher, he's teaching them as he leads them, and he's teaching them who he is. As he leads them from Judea into Bethany, he's approached and met on that road by Martha, Mary's sister, and what a declaration of faith she makes. Look with me in verses 21 and 22. Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. What a declaration of faith. But what also a bit of an indictment. Lord, you've got to stop this from happening. God will listen to you. He'll give you anything and you allowed this to happen. Why didn't you hurry? Martha knows her theology. Yet she's struggling not with truth, but with trust in Jesus. And see, in Martha's mind, there could have been a better way. But listen to how our Savior loves her. He doesn't argue with her. He doesn't defend himself. He's not angry at her subtle indictment. He acknowledges her need and he invites her to trust him again. Your brother will rise again. You see, Jesus shepherds us through the the greatest discomforts of our lives. Whether it's our fear or our deepest grief or the very valley of the shadow of death. In his sovereign reign, in his covenantal love, he places us in circumstances in which we may believe there's no other way out. We may struggle and feel lost, but he's inviting us again and again to trust him, to look to him, not just because he's a rabbi, a teacher, and Martha calls him Lord, but even that's not enough. It's because Jesus goes on to tell her in verse 25, he is the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in him will never, though he die, he will live. And whoever lives and believes in him, he will never die. Jesus reigns over our circumstances, over our griefs, 
He reigns over our need for stability and our self-idealized dreams of a better place. And Jesus' response to Martha forces us, her and us, to confront someone who reigns over our lives. See, we can't fathom what it means to be the resurrection and the life or the impact of the resurrection. We live in a world that's full of sin and death and we've become so accustomed to sickness and to sorrow, accustomed with our own sins and death. So how do we trust him in these moments? Well, because this rabbi it was called Lord and is the resurrection and the life. Had every reason to walk away from his disciples, from Mary and Martha, from those who could not hold on to him. He had every right and authority and power to move on past the hurting, the sarcasm, the doubtful cries. But he didn't leave them. He didn't forsake them. So great was his love and his steadfast faithfulness that even when they struggled to follow him, he led them to the most unexpected place of all. He went to the cross, to his death. Even when his closest friends would abandon him and his most zealous disciple would deny him. He held on to them. See, he tells us in the previous chapter, my sheep hear my voice. They will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. You likely recognize the name John Newton. He's the author of the hymn, Amazing Grace, which we sing every Lord's Day with communion. Newton suffered and endured many sorrows, many unexpected circumstances. Just to name a couple, by the age of seven, he had lost his mom. By 25, his dad, his daughter died at age 14. His second daughter was committed to asylum. He was led through these many unexpected circumstances, but the Lord redeemed his life. The Lord held on to him in the midst of all that he had gone through. And knowing this love, John Newton trusted in his good shepherd. He entered into pastoral ministry. And as he reflected on these unexpected circumstances on his life, he reflected and he wrote these words. Listen to what he says. He says, you're not called to buy but to beg, not to be strong in yourself, but in the grace that is in Christ. Be humble, watchful, diligent in every means of grace. Endeavor to look through all and fix your eyes upon Jesus. All will be well. The best evidence of our faith is by shutting of our eyes to our defects and our graces and looking directly to Jesus as clothed with authority and power to save to the outermost. One pastor reflecting on that described it in this way. 
He said, we often, when when unexpected circumstances hit, we go to one of two directions. We either go to the woe is me, the darkness in our own hearts. I'm unlovable. I'm broken. I'm in pain. Who can save me? Or we turn to our graces, how great we are, how we can fix the solution, how we can save. Both sides distract us from beholding the beauty and glory of our king and shepherd. We fix our eyes upon him, our shepherd king who leads us to green pastures, who makes us lie down beside still waters. Newton continues, unbelief stirs a thousand anxious thoughts that hide him from us. By believing, by trusting in him, we place our hope not in a deeper understanding, but in a deeper relationship with the one who promises to restore all things. Trust in him when you cannot see clearly. He will not let you go. Let go of your anxieties and your grief. Cast them upon our Savior. He's already carrying our sin upon him. And he's already given us his righteousness. And he will bear your anxieties and your griefs and your deepest fears. Because he's the good shepherd. Because he loves you. Because he leads us to unexpected places. And he reigns over our unexpected circumstances. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your son who is the resurrection and the life, our good shepherd, our only hope as we endure a world of sin and death, a world of unexpected turns. Lord, we trust you. We look to you to guide and direct our hearts and to keep us from turning to the pains and brokenness of our own hearts and the pride that can stem and stand away from you. Would you help us? Would you lead us when it feels like the day is setting and the unknown overwhelms us? We look to you. Keep our eyes fixed upon your son. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.